0: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are live! Tonight, we are going to
1: witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this
0: is...
2: Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. And?
1: Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them. alright?
2: Uh, look at it this way. the first thing we've done
0: together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick, you work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks, anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, I'm not. It's enough. And it's time for
1: The Rundown. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast Unintentionally Offensive Wrestling Podcast. We here at the Rundown Wrestling Podcast thought, what better way for you to spend a day off of work than stuffing your fat face with food and drowning out this, the, the, the the tears from your family that, that they're not getting as much food as you are than to listen to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. We are doing a well, normal episode, but of course, it's coming out on Thanksgiving. So a happy uh, Kill the Indians to everybody out there. But I can't do this show alone because when I do, the uh, downloads go down. So with me, <laughs> as I am Troy, with me Jason's here.
2: Yeah, it's just me, and I'm pretty sure we're going to take a hit in the downloads just because Jeff's sexy tone is are not going to be uh, on the audio this week. So, but we'll do our best to keep you entertained on your ride to wherever you're going for Thanksgiving, and uh, we'll be stuff stuffing some stuff in your mouth too. So we're good.
1: That's right, and we're going to be stuffing a hot load down your throat because we've got a lot to talk about. We had, of course, two network specials this past weekend. Starting off with NXT Takeover Horror Games, and uh, this one, of course, continued in the long, long-standing tradition of NXT Takeovers as being far superior to the main roster shows. But let's go into a little bit of analysis here. So we had Al- uh, Alistair Black take on Johnny Gargano.
2: Well, we should uh, probably go in order. So what was the we had we opened the show with the. Debut on TakeOver, at least, of one Matt Riddle. Oh, that's right, yep. Who came out and kicked his flip-flops off, which is awesome, um, and then cut a very... uh, So this is the problem I have with Matt Riddle here, and this is where I'm a little concerned about his long-standing future here. I've seen the script. That entire promo was scripted, and what sort of made Matt Riddle cool was Matt Riddle knows his audience... And when WWE starts trying to write Matt Riddle instead of letting Matt Riddle cut a promo, I don't think Matt Riddle stays cool very long. We'll see. Uh, got interrupted by Cassius Ono, who said, let's do our our match scheduled for next week, let's do it right fucking now uh, so I can knock you out. Uh, bell rings, Ono charges in, eats a knee, one, two, three, and thank you for coming. Uh, Matt Riddle, pretty dominant for his first win. Uh, some people were upset about the I guess they called it the jobbing out of Cassius Ohno, but this is sort of Cassius Ono's role here in NXT. He's sort of the 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 guy with some some credibility, some fame, who's there to sort of put over the younger kids and sort of half coach, half wrestle He's player coach down there in NXT, and I I think he did his job here.
1: Uh, I for one am never upset to see Cassius Ohno lose because fuck Cassius Ohno. Um but yeah, so we got an impromptu fifth match, which was uh, a little strange. But
2: well, it was actually point, going to be strange that they were only going to have four because they always have five, and it was sort of noteworthy that they weren't having five. And they were like, "Bah, fuck it, let's go back to the formula that works."
1: Right. So, <laughs> moving right along from there, because I don't really have anything else to say, we could we could spend more time talking about the match than the match actually had because it was, like you said, pretty much a squash match. Matt Riddle just punched the shit out of him. Um, we had... Okay. Um. Okay. 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 Interesting. All right.
2: How's the Uh, went in? I was just making it easier for you. I was
1: was going with it. I I was waiting for one, and I forgot we just talked about it. Um. a two out of three falls match for the NXT Women's Championship is Shayna Baszler took on Kyrie Sane. And um, Jeff was the only person who thought that Kyrie was taking this belt off of Shayna. Obviously, Adam thought that Jessamyn Duke was going to win it, but she wasn't in the <laughs> match. She did appear, though, so I guess brownie points for him on that one. Um, but yeah, Shayna Baszler winds up uh, re- uh, retaining the belt uh, with a lot of help from Jessamyn Duke and uh, Mira Shafir. So a continuation of having you know these these three of the four uh, uh, UFC horse women, and obviously the other two are far too fucking green to do anything more than what we saw. You know they're a little bit of beaten up up beaten shit out of Kyrie Sane and stuff like that. So uh, your thoughts on the match?
2: Um, I I know I've seen a bunch of people. Express uh, optimism and, and credit to this show, to this match, and, and said it was a really good match and the, the history of great NXT takeover women's matches. I wasn't a huge fan. It seemed like there were a lot of spots where it was clunky, a lot of spots where their timing seemed off. Uh, at one point, I, I mentioned, like, it, it's weird to me that they're this off of each other given how often they've worked together. Um, I think ultimately they pulled it together. I, I do wonder if maybe Shayna went into it a little more banged up than we thought, or perhaps injured herself on that ridiculous DDT on the apron uh, where she gets spiked right on the top of her head. Um, Because it seemed like after that, everything sped up. We went right into the spot with the girls on the outside, went right into the spot with, uh, not Kyrie, um, Io Shirai and Dakota Kai, and then right into a very sort of out of nowhere pinfall I guess the my biggest thing is if if this was how you were going to play it out, if you were going to rush through three falls in ten minutes, just make it a one fall match. There was no reason for this to be a two out of three falls match the way they ended up booking it.
1: Right. Uh, yeah. With whenever you have you know the uh, Duke and Shafir interfer- interfering, it really did make it. It was just like, well, if they're going to be out there the entire match, <laughs> like right. it doesn't make any sense. Um, so because there's really no other place to kind of talk about this week, um, So we've got Kyrie Sane, Io Shirai, and Dakota Kai as kind of the this this new trio over there. And I know a lot of people would think that uh, Sane or Shirai, I think, are the next big thing, but me personally, Dakota Kai seems like she has got Superstar written all over her. Really? See, I think she's got Bailey written all over her. Uh, I don't know, man. I I think she's she's better than that she she's i think she's more versatile of, a, of an actress than that so i don't know i mean it's it's hard to say at this point because you know <clears throat> uh the main roster doesn't treat women all that great and doesn't treat nxt call-ups either and doesn't and definitely doesn't treat nxt women call-ups all that great as as well so
2: i'll tell that's not uh, it's not Jax.
1: yeah exactly uh so yeah so but to me like i said that's that's my that that's my focus right now is is dakota kai my eyes go right to her i think that she's got a lot of potential to to be something really good obviously like you she's got a lot of potential for that other side of it too to just be kind of you know get put into the bailey role or the emma role that you know before she got fired but
2: well i guess to me where i and you can attest to this, because we talked about it on this show when Billy was down in NXT. I said at the time, my concern with her on the main roster was her ability to cut promos and tell stories outside the ring. I'm not concerned with the in-the-ring stuff, and that's sort of where I, ha- I am with Dakota Kai, too. It's like her believability as a character is sort of where I have a disconnect with her. I know she can go in the ring. That's not the part I'm concerned with, but on the main roster, you have to do more than that. You have to be a character and a personality and and be able to be entertaining and, and attract people's attention, and that's where I have a little. She's very sort of plain Jane in the way Bailey was, and she'll need something to set her apart before she goes up there. So, I, I you know, hopefully I'm wrong because I'd like to see her have great success. But, but NXT right now has a very strange women's division because you have a few women who look like you can strap the rocket to them, Shayna Baszler. Uh, Bianca Belair is another one. I think Nikki Cross could be something special. But then you have a lot of girls there pushing who I just, like, I don't see anything, like Dakota Kai, Lacey Evans. Um, God, who's the other one I was thinking of the other day? Um, I don't know. But I think there are a lot of those girls down there that they have that they just continue to focus on at the expense of – I mean, we don't see Candice LeRae wrestle very often, and I think she could be somebody they could really sort of hitch – their wagons too in terms of that division too so See,
1: and and uh um candace uh did wrestle tonight and because this is going to come out after it did wind up just losing to nikki's nikki cross yeah. so
2: and she just got jobbed out to bianca belair a couple weeks ago too
1: yeah exactly um i know that they have a, a love affair for bianca belair i'm not 100 sold on her myself I, so. she
2: needs a little character work but she's got a personality and that's what yeah. someone like Lacey Evans, for example, is missing a personality. And some of that, maybe I just really don't like the character of like the 50s Southern bell kind of thing that she's got going on. It doesn't really do anything for me. Um, it, I think it
1: feels very, it feels very eighties wrestling.
2: Yeah. It's just, it, it feels like uh, Liberty bell and glow or something. Like, <laughs> I,
1: it, maybe that's what they're going
2: for. It, and maybe honestly. it is, but to me it's a swing and a miss. And right she's she's got talent she's got a look she's got i love the the woman's right the big finisher punch that she uses um and she has some impressive moves in her her offense i just think she needs something to to make her more relatable to the audience and she doesn't have it right now and of course it's a game changer whenever they decide they're gonna pull the trigger and bring tony storm over full-time because she's a star waiting to happen
1: See, and I think that uh, that they probably want Storm to, to anchor the NXT UK division. But so how I long? Think-
2: I mean, that's that's not going to be a moneymaker for them. So the question is, how long do you waste a potential moneymaker on a product that's not going to make you money?
1: Right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems as if, you know, we've we've seen some people from NXT, you know, make the the flight over there and and work Dakota Kai obviously was was just over there during the tapings. And the way that they do the tapings is is at a different time than normal NXT tapings. So you could potentially have Storm on both shows and anchor both shows like that. Right. So.
2: Yeah, well, we'll see how it plays out. I do think, but I think Tony Storm is going to be the next big thing for the women's division.
1: But you know, I've I I would agree on that too. Tony Tony definitely. But it all uh, depends.
2: Just, yeah, it's it's gonna all depend on how they book her though. Because we said the same thing about Bailey. We said here's here's a merchandise machine for the little girls out there. If you but they brought her up and the way they booked her just took all that away.
1: Right. Well, and we thought that Asuka was going to be, you know, the the thing that was going to be an anchor over on SmackDown and things like that. And-
2: no, I had reservations about Asuka just because of the language barrier. They're so intent on on building characters through promos on the main roster. They they don't use that crutch on nxt they'll build a character without huge promo segments but they don't do that on raw and i that, i had concerns about her and shinsuke for the same reason and i think those have both sort of played out
1: right but at the same count you know we also thought Sami Zayn was going to be the next big baby face and that's true they couldn't they couldn't do anything with him until they turned him heel so oh, i think
2: they could have done something with them if they had done anything was, with
1: them sorry sorry they didn't they didn't <laughs> right. do anything with them until they turned him heel. right Right, anyways, uh, moving right along. Our next match was A-Lister Black versus Johnny Gargano. Um, and kind of a surprise here. Every one of us uh, thought that Gargano was going over, except for Adam thought that Johnny Nitro was in this match for some reason. Um, but yeah, so uh, instead, uh, Johnny Gargano's kind of first run as a heel continues to be losses. So
2: See, it's less, it's less of a problem for him as a heel, I think in a strange way, but holy shit, this match. Um, This was fucking outstanding. Uh, They literally just beat the shit out of each other, and to me, this match was a great indication of why, and I'm going to put this on the record right now, NXT is the best product in the wrestling business right now, today, bar none, Um, because you have a little bit of everything. They're not forcing you into one particular thing this had all this had all the great classic wrestling storytelling going into it with the sneak attack and the who done it, and the great reveal and the heel turn and the, the promo of the twisted guy who's losing his mind and with gargano and then you then you got to this event and you added the physicality and tremendous wrestling of a new japan match type of uh in ring performance where they just sort of really beat the shit out of each other and it was it was physical and non-stop and there was no breaks uh it was a very njpw style match and they both delivered um hats off to both of these guys and uh, i can't wait to see where they both go from here
1: yeah i think that's gonna be the question going forward there too is is what are they going to do with this because they don't feel like it's over yet I feel like we've probably got at least another couple of, of uh, episodes. Do you? Yeah, maybe.
2: See, I thought, uh, to me, they wrote it off. And, and I don't know if you caught this, but right before uh, Alistair landed that second black black mask kick, he said to Gargano, I absolve you of your sins. Mm, okay. And to me, that was sort of the, the, the write-off of the story. Like, okay, I'm past you, I'm on to, to the next thing, which... Could very well be Tommaso Ciampa. He still is in line for a rematch for his championship, and I wouldn't mind seeing a one-on-one program between those two. Uh, the question, bigger question for me, is where does Johnny go from here? Um, as a heel, does he does he sort of start to align himself with Ciampa again in a heel stable kind of thing, or does he do they just sort of flip flop and he goes off with Velveteen while uh, Tommaso goes off with with um, Alistair, I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see how this plays out for the next next takeover.
1: I think that's the third option on that is maybe a feud with Ricochet. Um, Could be. You know, that's that's in there because he kind of needs another, uh, somebody else to to go against for that title right now, but, and I think that Johnny would be a good guy for it.
2: But as we get, we'll get into it later. I, I sort of felt like they ended War Games, sort of tipping us off to where Ricochet is going next.
1: Okay, we'll, we'll get there. Alright, uh, the NXT Championship, which, in my opinion, this match probably should have ended the show, but instead, uh, Tomaso Ciampa took on Velveteen Dream. Uh, every one of us thought that Tomaso Ciampa was going to retain his belt, except for Adam, who chose Drugs Bunny. Also <laughs> not. Um, <clears throat> this match, so, after after the last match, we went into this match going, oof, boy, that that's going to be a tough act to follow. And apparently it was a hold my beer moment because (laughs) Ciampa and and Dream put on one fucking hell of a match Uh, there was there was so much going on here you had Velveteen Dream doing the the Hulk Hogan stuff you know doing the leg drops and things like that Um, you had uh, Ciampa kind of selling the knee injury and things like that and and just there were so many times in this match that you felt that it was that they were going to put that belt on Dream uh, and that's that's a difficult thing to do nowadays, is to to make you make you feel like this is it, this is going to be a title change here, and this whole match you felt, well they could do it, they could put it on put it on Dream, and again it just continued to show this 26 year old dude, I think he's 26, how how talented he is that you know he's he's put into this big spot and delivers.
2: Yeah, I, this was. I, you said it perfectly. I, I didn't think we were going to be able to top Black and Gargano, and then these guys went out there and just did it. And they did it. This one didn't have quite the same build or, or emotional storyline behind it that the other one did. They just sort of went out to the ring and, and told a physical story. Um, and the way they did it, the the reason I rated this match so high was, and we've talked about this in the past, Um when I go into a match and I and I sort of know what's going to happen, but yet you still get me to bite on the, these false finishers. For example, when he hit the, the uh, Dream Valley Driver on the concrete, threw him right in, then hit the Purple Rainmaker, I legit popped thinking it was going to be a three. I thought they were going to pull the trigger on it. Uh, and that's sort of the beauty of NXT is they've conditioned us at times because none of us thought uh, Almas was beating McIntyre, and yet there he was. Uh, most of us thought Black would be in a program with Almus, and it wouldn 't take it the first time like, so they've they've been very good at pulling the trigger, keeping the fans on their toes and guessing as to what 's going to happen and then you throw that makes those false finishes just oh so much more impressive um and, and it just absolutely as a great tool to telling the story and they did that again in this one, so again, hats off to those guys that d d t on the steel was just stiff as shit poor velveteen dream with that elbow off the top to the apron just yeah. missed it um i love the use of morrow in that spot because so often you see people like out by the announcers while well, the announcers are sort of talking badly about them and they just don't react at all uh i loved that that champa did react to it um just everything about this was outstanding uh and to your point and we put out a poll to our fans on twitter and overwhelmingly, by 67%, they chose this match as the match of the night, followed, actually, surprisingly, by War Games, then Black Argano, uh, Baszler, and, and Kyrie Sane got zero votes. So. Oh. <laughs> but, yeah, this was this was phenomenal, and just another in the uh, long, long line of outstanding championship matches for NXT
1: TakeOver events. Right I'm Speaking of war games, we ended the end of the night with the Undisputed Era trying to win their first of two war games. It's, this is their their second war games event. This time they were against Pete well, Don they, Ricochet.
2: They won last year, so this they would be trying to win their second one.
1: They won last year. I yeah. think they lost last. Year.
2: No, last year Sorry. was the the three team. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 they that won one. that one.
1: Sorry, right. so they were trying to win their second one, um, and they were against Pete Don, Ricochet and the War Raiders Hanson and Rowe. Um so every single one of us took the undisputed air thinking that this was their match other than Adam who took Lucha House party um but uh, yeah so this match had a ton of just big spots in it uh, obviously the one that a lot of people were talking about was Ricochet doing his double uh backflip off the top of the cage onto the entirety of the the participants in this match and um yeah, so <laughs>
2: the best part of that was and I think I posted it in the host Will Ospreay tweeted as soon as he got up there and this is Will Ospreay's tweet, as soon as he got up there I said, do a double moon, puss. Then he turned around and it's a clip <laughs> of him doing
1: it. So Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so it was uh, um it was a match that was won by Pete Don Ricochet and the War Raiders um so again another match that none of us got any points on but yeah it uh, like i said it i understand it's the it's the name of the event so it going on less you know in no sense but it was another one of those things where it was a main event that nothing really comes out of it if you oh, think see, about it that way
2: i disagree a lot actually um okay I, I think we've set up a lot of the next programs going forward i think road uh war Raiders versus the undisputed era for the tag titles is going to be the next big program. I think, uh, by virtue of the fact that you didn't even, you didn't touch on this, but, um, it was Adam Cole that took the pin, but he took the pin at the hands of both Pete Dunn and ricochet at the same time. So they can both lay claim. Then they both grabbed their belts and sort of stared each other down in the ring, like sort of foreshadowing. There's going to be another program between those two for the title. Maybe even throw Adam Cole in there as a triple threat. I don't know. um, but I think this set up our next run, sort of, of NXT to the next takeover and where we're gonna go from here. Um, there was some stuff in this match that was just like holy shit. You mentioned the uh, the double moonsault from from uh, Ricochet. That was obviously outstanding. I gotta give a shout out to my boy Todd Hanson, uh, Warbeard Hansen, whatever you wanna call him. The fucking cardio on that guy. He hit that running clothesline in the corner about 18 goddamn times back and forth, and he's a bigger guy, and the, the cardio he showed just to do that was outstanding. Um, if I had to nitpick one thing, the the spot where Bobby Fish sort of steals the lock from his cage and then goes and locks Pete Dunn in. Now, I was done to take a little bit off of Pete Dunn, knowing that he's going into this thing with the injury, and that's fine. I understand that. From a logic standpoint, though, the referees are standing there watching Bobby Fish lock this padlock onto the cage and then throw away the key, and then they just That's... stood around and waited until the buzzer went off, and then they went, oh, shit, we should probably go get something to open this cage with. You had, like, two fucking minutes it was like back.
1: It was a solid three minutes.
2: Uh, yeah, so People. you could have easily gotten <clears throat> been much better prepared for that. Uh, <laughs> that was probably the only real small nitpick in terms of storytelling. Uh, if you wanted to be technical, they said if you escape the cage, you lose. At one point, Roderick Strong did step out in trying to get Pete done. Uh, only went to the stairs, didn't go to the floor, so they had that little out. But technically, he did leave the cage. Um, I do love the the fact that they sort of... People, a lot of people are pissed that they don't like the, um what's it called? The, the, the fact that there's not a roof on this cage, and I think it adds, first off, you don't get that ricochet spot if there's a roof on the cage, but I also love the fact that they put on that caveat that if you leave the cage or you escape the cage, your your team is forfeits the match. Um, and I think that was, that was beautifully done as the Undisputed Era tried to dump Ricochet over the top so that he would lose for his team even though it wasn't intentional. Uh, I, I thought it had a nice little storytelling aspect to that match. I, I thought this... These matches have the potential to be complete clusterfucks from which nobody gains anything, and I think they avoided that here. I think everybody came out of this looking better.
1: Word. So, final thoughts on NXT TakeOver Horror Games from you.
2: Uh, Like I said, this is is the product for me in the wrestling world right now. This is the, the number one thing. This is my favorite. TakeOvers are my favorite special events to watch. Um... I think they just, it's a completely different means of booking wrestling than they do on the main roster. And maybe it changes when Triple H is in charge. We've talked about that a lot. But this is, this is, this to me is wrestling. This is appealing to the wrestling fan and the wrestling audience and, and the bread and butter of the quote unquote WWE universe. Um, Whereas the WWE product has become so concerned with trying to attract a mainstream audience that they've completely lost this formula. But this formula still exists in the company, and that's what gives me hope one day that we will see a better WWE product down the road. Uh, I, I, Again, far, far and away outshadowed the main roster in terms of special events on the weekend, but that's become sort of just... I think you, t- you touched on it earlier, sort of just become passe at this point because it's just almost a given every time that the TakeOver is going to be better than the main roster show. Uh, it was, again. I hope these guys never that they have on this roster right now never leave because it's just an amazing group that they have down there. Um, and, and when you talk about the thing that sort of makes it interesting, now, if I go to the WWE right now, so you've got Brock Lesnar as the Universal Champion. How many guys on that Raw roster can you look at right now and say, that guy right now could be Universal Champion and I wouldn't blink an eye at it? Maybe Strowman? Maybe McIntyre? So there's two? You go NXT, Tommaso Ciampa has the belt. You could make it very easily without batting an eyelash. It could be Aleister Black. It could be Johnny Gargano. It could be Velveteen Dream. It could be Lars Sullivan. It could be up and down that roster. They've built these characters to the point where they could easily, you could see them as a heavyweight champion and it wouldn't seem out of place in the least. That's sort of where WWE fails in terms of building those characters to that level.
1: You have the same kind of thing in the women's division as well. Yeah, true. The the, the women's division of NXT is is also that kind of thing where at any point in time they can elevate any of those people up and and take that belt off of Shayna Baszler. Uh, Whereas over on Raw and SmackDown, you have maybe one or two people that our title contenders and everyone else is just kind of fodder.
2: What they need to do is just break more people's faces, because that's how you get a push.
1: Yeah, there you go. Moving right along to Survivor Series. Do we have to? Yes, sadly. Um, So the first match that apparently didn't actually take place, or it doesn't matter in terms of WWE's booking, (laughs) was the Tag Team Survivor Series match. Uh, now, I was the only one who took Team Raw, which, of course, is Rude and Gable, The Revival, The B-Team, Lucha House Party, and The Ascension. Uh, Jeff and Jason took Team SmackDown, The Usos, New Day Club, Colognes, and Sanity. Adam took Team NXT, which is the Fat Mechanics, HMO5, Dirty Hobos, those twins that got concussed in crime time. Uh, <laughs> that team actually not in this match, but who you wouldn't know that because, you know, it doesn't actually matter. Anyways... Okay. Uh,
2: Those twins so the, that got concussed is what got me on that <laughs> one.
1: Um, the Colognes were the first people taken out uh, by Dash Wilder doing a Shatter Machine on Primo. Uh, the B-Team then was eliminated by Carl um, by Anderson doing a Schoolboy on Bo Dallas. Sanity was then uh, taken out by Bobby Roode after a neckbreaker and moonsault combination and Eric Young. The attention was taken out by Big E um, with an assisted splash on Victor.
2: Oh, I would just like to uh, point out that... Uh, at one point during commentary, the, the statement was made, The Ascension is on the verge of big things on the, in on Raw.
1: That's right. Fucking really? Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the Good Brothers were then taken up by Grand Metal Dick, uh, by Springboard Swanton and Carl Anderson. Lucha House Party then was eliminated by Jey Uso with an Elius on Lince Dorado. Bobby Roode and Chad Gable are taking up a biggie with an up, up, down, down on Chad Gable. The New Day taken up by Dash Wilder with a Shatter Machine on Xavier Woods. And then finally, The Revival taken out by Jimmy Uso with an Uso Splash on Scott Dawson. So, um, yeah, The Revival winds up getting two uh, eliminations in this. Uh, The New Day get two, the Usos get two, and the Good Brothers get one. But Team SmackDown winds up winning it, and the Usos are the sole survivors. But again, like we said... WWE doesn't actually care. You do know how they, much they
2: don't care, because in true WWE fashion, they wanted Raw to clean sweep this whole event, and mm-hmm. nobody told the writers, so they just booked yeah. Raw, SmackDown to win. Uh, yeah. Vince did not want SmackDown to win any matches, which is why they sort of said, all right, we're ignoring the kickoff show, it doesn't count, right. to cover their own asses, to tell the story yeah. they wanted to tell. Um, <laughs> ironically enough, of all the... Uh, Classic Survivor Series matches I think this one was my favorite Uh, I didn't watch it live so I had to go back And watch it later Uh, Sal referred to Chad Gable's dick spot Um, I think he meant Big spot or something but it was actually Really good Uh, Gable actually had Two crazy spots he Root had uh, I forget who it was One of the guys set up for a neck breaker And Gable came off with precision And hit a moonsault as they nailed The neck breaker which was just Crazy uh, and then there was the obviously the one he was probably most talking about the German suplex off the top rope to the guys waiting to catch on the bottom. Uh, that looked crazy too. Gable was outstanding in this match as he usually is. Uh, I did love on SmackDown the New Day coming out with the six and one on their pilgrim outfits and you know chant, starting the six and one chant. Ironically enough, though, even though they weren't the ones who actually won the match, the Usos were the sole survivors on their team. Right. Um, I, I yeah I thought the I thought ultimately you sort of put some of the guys who needed to be in good spots in good spots the revival came out of this looking good I thought I thought the good brothers actually didn't look horrible I thought um, the Usos of course looked good I thought so uh, all in all for what this type of match is I thought this was a well executed version of it
1: yeah right on so we get to the show proper where things uh, actually mattered I guess and uh, we started off with the ladies. Uh, every single one of us took Team SmackDown. We were all wrong. Uh, Team Raw was Mickey James, Nia Jax, Tamina Schnuka, Natalia Neidhart, and Ruby Riot. Oh, wait, nope, sorry. No Natalia, no Ruby Riot. Instead, it was Sasha Banks and Bayley. Team yeah, Smackdown I think we was-
2: should all get a pass because we didn't have the actual teams at the time right. we made our prediction.
1: <clears throat> exactly. Um, Team SmackDown was Carmella, Naomi, uh, Sonya DeVille, Asuka, and Mandy Rose. Uh, and Adam chose Team NXT, which is Audrey Marie, Raquel Diaz. Emma, Page, and Summer Ray, but they weren't actually in this match. Yeah. So, uh, Naomi winds you know up being. Who was your... in this
2: match? Mandy who? Rose and Deadass. That
1: That's right. Uh, Naomi wound up lasting a minute 20 seconds in this match because before Tamina took her out with a super kick. Then, 10 seconds later, Tamina was taken out by Carmella with a schoolgirl.
2: And then we got yeah. a dance break. Mm.
1: Yep, that's that's how this match started. <laughs>
2: um, but you know what? To be fair, you can't say this is a thing amongst women because Samoa Joe got taken out really super quick in his match, too. So they, this is just a formula they use.
1: Right. Uh, Mickie James got taken out by Mandy Rose with a sliding knee by Sonny DeVille. Carmella got taken out by Bayley with a Bayley-to-Belly. Mandy Rose got taken out by Sasha Banks with a bank statement and Jason's penis cried. Sonny DeVille and Bayley did a double countout. Sasha Banks was taken up by Asuka by the Asuka lock, and Asuka was taken up by Nia Jax with a Samoan drop, meaning Nia Jax was your sole survivor, and Team Rock gets their first victory of the night. (sighs)
2: So, in true Vince McMahon fashion, he fails to understand the difference between X-Pac heat and real heat. So, the entire world is pissed at Nia Jax for, for what she did with Becky... And rather than Vince going, wow, that fucking girl's unsafe. We better keep her off TV, get her out of the... No. He's like, wow, they fucking hate her. Let's make her a star, pal. Fucking Soul survivor. She goes over everybody. And that just sucks. Um, You know, the match was what it was for the five-on-five. It was nothing special. It was nothing terrible. I thought Mandy got a little bit of shine, which I thought was good. Um I really can't say a whole lot more. I, You didn't mention that they had fucking Nia Jax push her own teammate off the top rope leading to her elimination and then did nothing to follow up on that angle on Monday, which was a little strange to me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, all things considered, the match was fine.
1: That's going to be the word of the day here. It's fine. It's, it's, Although... It's fine. <laughs>
2: Although on our poll on Twitter for the worst match at Survivor Series, uh, the women's elimination match did come out on top, getting 38% of the vote in that poll. Um, AOP in the bar came in second, which we'll talk about in a little bit. The men's elimination, which we'll talk about a little bit later, uh, came in last with the tag team elimination actually coming in, which I didn't think was actually that bad, but that came in third worst. So... Thank you to everybody out there who participated in our Twitter poll.
1: Yeah. Thank y'all. We did have a couple of uh, comments on this event, too.
2: Yeah, I was going to get to those at the end.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, The next match, uh, Jason was the only one who chose Seth Rollins to beat Shinsuke Nakamura, who me and Jeff both took. Uh, Adam took European champion D'Lo Brown. Also, (laughs) not in this match. Also, uh, not Seth European Rollins.
2: champion anymore.
1: <laughs> Neither of those things exist. Uh, yeah, so Seth Rollins.
2: Although Seth much. Rollins it's, did almost paralyze someone too, so
1: that's true, he did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so Seth Rollins gets gets the win. Uh, Dean Ambrose, I guess, was taking the night off. So uh,
2: you know, I thought this was a. I I, I I thought the match was good. I don't think it was great, and I thought I thought going into it, I thought it would be great given you know what I know these guys can both do, given how they sort of give Seth that leeway to go out and have those just ridiculous wrestling matches. Um, I sort of had very, very high expectations for this, and it was perfectly good. It just didn't live up to what I had Like, good but not great, and I was expecting great, and I got good. I got really good, but I didn't get great. Um, that was really my biggest issue with it. Uh, everything was fine. That When Nakamura hit that, Knee to the back of the head. I think you saw it from the crowd that they they sort of started to, for the first time to really buy Nakamura's winning this match. Um, yeah, I've heard somebody say, and, and and you know I have to maybe think about it at this point because maybe Nakamura just doesn't have that gear in him anymore. He's an older guy at this point in his his career. He's taken a lot of bumps, a lot of physical abuse. Maybe he just doesn't have the great match in him anymore. He has the good match, the really good match, but not the great one. Because it seems like when we talk about his matches with uh, AJ Styles, they were all good but not great. And now this match with Rollins, again, good but not great. And he hasn't really gotten to that great level in WWE yet, not since, I think, the Sami Zayn match or the Finn Balor match, or really any of his NXT matches. And again, maybe that speaks to how they book matches on the main roster versus NXT, too
1: yeah it's possible I mean you know we kind of saw it in NXT that maybe Nakamura wasn't as motivated down there as he could have been and then yeah up on the main roster here you know he's he's had some ups and downs but uh, in general yeah he's kind of turned into uh, um, an okay worker for a guy who used to be like five star match machine kind of thing
2: one of the best in the world yeah yeah
1: Uh, but that happens you know shit happens you just do whatever you gotta do uh so then we had oh that's right i have to talk about this um aop versus the bar uh jeff and jason both chose aop i chose the bar because apparently i don't know how to make picks anymore adam chose the headbangers which i think one of them are actually dead <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh aop winds up winning this match uh but it was not without incident of course Uh, please, Jason, take it away. Tell us about the incident that occurred during this match.
2: Oh, God, you're going to make me talk about this. Alright, so at a certain point, they did a spot where Drake Maverick interferes in the match, uh, gets chased around, the ring runs right into the Big Show, Big Show picks him up by the throat, puts him up on the apron, because, you know, that's what the Big Show would do. He would pick the guy up and put him up on the apron to choke him out instead of just fucking knocking him out. Um, But it very quickly became apparent why he was up there because Drake Maverick reached into his pants and unfortunately had a little bit of trouble executing this. So it took longer than it should have making it very awkward as he's standing there, but squeezed some sort of device, which caused it to look like he pissed his pants because that's what we need in our professional wrestling shows. Now guys pissing their pants And you absolutely know this was done either by or directly for Vince McMahon's entertainment because he loves this type of shit. I think he's a fecophiliac, or he's into water sports. I don't know what it is, but he loves bathroom stuff. Um, This, to me, was embarrassing. And for all the praise I heap for how how well they they present as a product, wrestling and the NXT brand, this was a stark contrast and a great reminder of why WWE house show events keep, continue to go down, why WWE ratings continue to go down, why WWE subscriptions continue to go down, uh, because this is what they think wrestling should be, and they're in a minority at this point on this kind of stuff. Nobody, This is not entertaining. This is not competition. This is not funny. Like, It's one thing if you do a bathroom spot that's funny. Like This wasn't even funny. It was just bad. Um, and it served no fucking purpose. So ultimately it led to AOP getting the win, and I think the right team won that should have won. But at this point in the card, you're looking at like a D-minus show at this point in the card. So
1: Right. But thankfully, in come the Cruiserweights to save it.
2: And who would have thought we'd say that?
1: Yeah. Because Buddy Murphy, the guy that we all thought was going to retain took on Mustafa Ali, of course, Adam choosing Juventud Guerrera, not in this match. And, uh, yeah, so Buddy Murphy winds up retaining his belt after a barn burner of a match with Mustafa Ali. This was, uh, was,
2: to this point, the match of the night by fucking far. Um, My only criticism of this, the only thing I can say about this negatively is is that I would have liked a couple more minutes. They got 12 minutes. They got a chance to sort of show everything. They had to rush a little bit. I think they could have done even better given, you know, two to five more minutes on this thing. Um, But some of the spots were ridiculous. You actually, at Survivor Series, got a 205 chant, which is something I didn't think we'd see. Um, And to be fair, and I shit on them a lot for the last angle, but credit WWE for giving the Cruiserweights a chance on the main card in the middle of the card, so they got a very good spot. But I think what this speaks to more than anything is let's take these cruiserweights every pay-per-view and let's stick them at the opener and get the crowd really going because these guys did just that. It was outstanding, tremendous performance by
1: both guys. Yeah, very much so. Um, They definitely have a, a lot to work with there. Uh, of course, if you want to know more about 205 Live, you can tune into our normal show, Hurry Up and Cruiserweight, hosted by Jeff, who said they couldn't be here this week. Um, I he had a freak
2: the, jerking off incident. That, yeah, uh, it happened.
1: Uh, tried to come in his own mouth and right. missed. Hit himself in the eye. Now he can't talk. Yeah. Alright, so... <laughs> hit himself we himself to the eye so he can't talk. <laughs> was <hungry>. um, <clears throat> we move on to... Team Raw versus Team SmackDown, The Men. Um, Team Raw, of course, Ziggler, McIntyre, Strowman, Baylor, and Lashley, which we all picked, took on Team SmackDown, The Miz, Jeff Harvey, Best in the World, Rey Mysterio, and Samoa Joe. Adam chose The Bullet Club, not actually with the company. Um, after 35 seconds, Samoa Joe was taken out by a Claymore kick from Drew McIntyre. Uh, Finn Baylor was taken out by Rey Mysterio with a six-one-nine. Dolph Ziggler was taken out by Shane McMahon with a coast-to-coast, then Braun Strowman running Power Slam, Jeff Hardy, Rey Mysterio, The Miz, then Shane McMahon, meaning that not only did the Team Raw win, but there actually were other survivors, Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley.
2: Well, you can go first this time. I've gone first. on
1: Okay. Um, this was a match that we knew exactly what was going to happen. Um, we have done this... this dumb angle with, uh, with Braun Strowman requesting these different things and most people I think can see the writing on the wall of what they're trying to do when trying to set up their Wrestlemania match so of course when the stipulation was if, Braun, if, if Team Raw wins then Braun Strowman gets to face um, Baron Corbin and then if he beats Baron Corbin he gets to go on and face Brock Lesnar so of course we're like yep Team Raw is winning and then Strowman's going to beat Baron Corbin, and that's going to be your WrestleMania match. So
2: But it's not, kinda, though.
1: Well, yeah, it's it sounds more like it's gonna be a Royal Rumble match.
2: Assuming Bronze Elbow is okay.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um So yeah, so uh it wasn't that big of a surprise to see Strowman kind of run through the SmackDown roster because considering the the talent that SmackDown has, the fact that these are the guys that they picked. <laughs> yeah. um, obviously, you know Shane McMahon being on the team was was one thing that was kind of ridiculous. Uh, Samoa Joe getting taken. He's so- the
2: best in the world.
1: Yes, I understand that. Um, not having AJ Styles on this team was kind of ridiculous. Uh, you understand once you kind of see what happens to everyone else on on the on Team SmackDown. Um, but also, it actually did also end his streak of, what was it, 42 st- or 35 straight pay-per-view appearances. 32, I think. 32, okay. 32 straight pay-per-view appearances ended for no reason. Not hurt, nothing like that. Just, we're done.
2: Well, he was sad. He lost his title.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, so what was your thoughts on the men?
2: Um, I didn't get to. Oh, horny about Samoa Joe losing that early. It didn't bother me to me. It just said something about him being pretty banged up and them not wanting to work him too hard in that match. So they used it as an opportunity to sort of make McIntyre look dominant. I didn't have an issue with that. Um, I thought some of the interplay between um, Miz and Shane McMahon was funny, and they continued that all the way through to SmackDown. Um, Look, so the thing I continue to dislike is I don't have a problem with Shane McMahon being in a match. I don't have a problem. I actually enjoy Shane McMahon as a performer, uh, in, in small doses, sort of infrequently. Um, but when you're putting, when you're telling, trying to sit here and tell me that Samoa Joe, Jeff Hardy, The Miz, and Rey Mysterio all have to get beaten so that Shane McMahon can be the last man standing for SmackDown that's when I have a little bit of a problem in terms of credibility of what you're presenting me. Um, but it is what it is. It's how they do things, and, and it's just how it's going to be. So, I mean, the match was fine. It, it accomplished what it wanted to accomplish. We came out of it with McIntyre looking huge. We came out of it with Strowman standing strong. We came out of it with uh, Corbin playing the chicken shit. I, I think we, we it, it advanced the storylines, so that's fine.
1: Pretty much, that's what we needed to do. All right. Uh, Ronda Rousey, who we all chose as the winner, took on Harlet. Um Adam didn't get the memo that this match has actually no, I'm changed. Sorry. I'm sorry.
2: sorry. You read the titan Tron wrong. It's actually
1: Charlotte. Oh, sorry, Charlotte. There's mm-hmm. a C in there, yes. Uh, Adam didn't get the memo, and he picked Becky Lynch to win this one. Oh, um, so, God. obviously, we, we we knew what this, this match was supposed to do. It was supposed to... WWE is right now trying to build up three women to be gigantic. Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, who's already there, and Charlotte, who cooled off considerably, you know, uh, because of a couple of feud issues and stuff like that. Um, So this was their way of trying to get Charlotte back her heat a little bit. Um, And they did it by, you know, beating the ever-loving piss out of Ronda Rousey's face, which we just had her her original opponent get taken out by getting her face crushed and get a concussion. So let's go ahead and do that to our our most recognizable female star too.
2: Well the difference here was that it was being done by an actually good worker.
1: That's true. You got me there. <laughs>
2: um so for me this match gave me all the feels. Uh I had this was everything. This was what it should have been. This was what it can be. This was, um, these guys, these ladies did a, just an absolutely amazing job. They, they went out there just from the opening bell. It had big fight feel the whole time from the introductions. Uh, Charlotte wrestling with the chip on her shoulder was outstanding. Uh, there was an air of realism to it that felt almost like an MMA fight, watching them circle each other and, and the back and forth. Uh, It was physical, it was hard-hitting, it was believable. Um, And then you got to the part where where Rhonda circles and runs right into that kendo stick, and for a second you're like, oh, shit, really? This is what we're going to do? Like, chicken shit Charlotte gets herself disqualified? And then then it's like the light goes off, because no, this is going to be just a brutal fucking beatdown and she's going to lose her shit and turn heel and just destroy Ronda and leave her laying in a way we haven't seen anyone do to this point. Um, Charlotte came out of this thing a million times better. The only thing I think they didn't count on was the audience turning on Ronda so quickly. They sort of brushed it off and didn't really play off of it on Monday, Um, and and even on Tuesday with Charlotte playing full-blown heel. Um, But... This was that was probably the only surprising part was in L.A., sort of her hometown area, how quickly the fans turned on her. But it seems to be the formula when you have a beat down and the person leaves, they get booed. And then when they decide, fuck it, I'm going to come back and beat on him some more. That's when the cheers start. Yeah. Uh, but the thank you, Charlotte chant as Ronda was leaving uh, was interesting. The thing I wonder now, and we talk all the time about the potential of horsewomen versus horsewomen, does this become Ronda's sort of game plan now? Does she run through the horsewomen? You know, Charlotte, uh, Sasha and Becky are obviously easy. They're on Raw. Um, you get to Charlotte at the Royal Rumble and obviously culminate with Becky at WrestleMania. If that's the path, I'm there for it. I love it. Uh, This was hands down, and the rundown fans voted it, and and I feel 100% the same way match of the night for me.
1: Yeah, very much so. Uh, We ended the night off with Brock Lesnar versus Daniel Bryan. Uh, For some reason, I decided to think that Daniel Bryan was going to win it by shenanigans. Um, You and Jeff chose Brock Lesnar, and of course, Adam, again, didn't get the memo, chose uh, AJ Styles. Uh, but, again, this uh, this was a, a match Brock Lesnar wind up, winds up winning, uh, and Daniel Bryan kind of explains himself on SmackDown, but uh, the match itself was, though? well, I mean, in so much as he kind of said that he let it happen, so I guess. We'll,
2: we'll get to the Daniel Bryan promo later. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, we will. Uh, but yeah, so Brock Lesnar winds up waiting. Um, thanks for coming. Here's your paycheck. Now get the fuck out. Uh,
2: see, I uh, I really enjoyed this match. I thought this was great. You had David and Goliath. Um, it's It reminded me a lot of last year's AJ Styles match where it starts with just Brock Lesnar decimating and dominating a smaller guy. Um, but this was different because I think the added realism of knowing Daniel Bryan's history and what he's been through uh, made it much more uncomfortable to watch him take that beating and made the beating far more effective. Um, and then when he he made his comeback, I thought it was great. I thought he looked good. I thought he was credible. I thought he looked like sort of a badass just in the uh, yes lock or whatever he's going to call it now since he's not doing the yes thing anymore. Um, but when he had him locked into that and... He's just hitting, raining down, clubbing forearms across the head of Brock Lesnar. I thought that was great, uh, all the way into the finish. And I thought, and, and the fact that he was smiling after the finish, and it was sort of as Lesnar left, he gave a little nod with a smile back to Daniel. Uh, this was a match Brian said he wanted for a long time, and he got it. And uh, in this case, I thought they both delivered. I thought this was a fucking amazing match.
1: Word. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> um, uh, we'll have to see what, what happens here, what's what's going to continue on. Uh, but, yeah, it definitely seemed like this was a way to kind of change Daniel Bryan to an extent and, and kind of evolve his character and obviously uh, continues to make Brock Lesnar look strong, too.
2: Well, it was sort um, of funny in the way they did it because they started out with, with – brian coming out and sort of mocking brock and doing sort of the shitty chicken shit heel thing that sort of like kevin owens usually does um but then when they booked lesnar to sort of bully him around which makes him the sympathetic face in that scenario and then he has that comeback where he's a total face and then at the end he sort of goes back to being a heel again telling fans to shove it on his way up the aisle so i you know it was, it was interesting booking
1: that's a way that you couldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, let's see. Sal here has a little voicemail for us that we're going to go ahead and play.
0: Hey, guys. It's Sal, host of the WrestleMania Salvation podcast. And quarterly host of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. Quarterly guest host, I guess I would call myself. I'm just calling to give you guys a little bit of something to do tonight. In the wake of Survivor Series 2018. Now, I gotta start off by saying, I'm not typically the biggest Charlotte Flair fan in the world. I mean, I think she's perfectly fine, but quite honestly, she's making a case for wrestler of the year. I mean, when you take a look at the year that Charlotte has had, match-wise, go all the way back to WrestleMania against Asuka, uh, at Evolution against Becky Lynch, and this just recently with Ronda at Survivor Series, Charlotte's probably one of the best female workers in the world. And she really, when they need her to come through for a big-time match, she always does... And Sunday was no different. I thought that match was perfect for what it was, but I really appreciated what she did after. I don't necessarily appreciate somebody getting their neck put inside a steel chair and them not being cut out on a stretcher. I get it. It's Ronda Rousey. But at least that made Survivor Series somewhat interesting. Now, speaking of Survivor Series, I really was surprised when SmackDown lost the Survivor Series pay-per-view, six to nothing. I was sure that this Tuesday on SmackDown, they would explain everything. They would fire somebody. Shane would lose his shit, maybe destroy the bet. He did none of that, and we are now left with, well, SmackDown just sucks. That being said, I thought Daniel Bryan cut a great promo on SmackDown, but it just... It just feels like the B-show, doesn't it? It's 6 nothing. It just seems like such a beating. How do you fucking do that? But, again, I'm sure Fox is happy with their investment. And other than that, I'll talk to you guys later.
2: And uh, to follow up on Sal's feedback, we did ask on Twitter for our followers if they had anything to feed to, to mention, and we would read some of the better ones on air. Uh, Philip Goad, at Philip. Uh, said Survivor Series might as well be another Saudi Arabia show because nothing that happened there will be mentioned in three weeks, much less matter. Uh, I disagree. I think Charlotte and Rhonda is going to be something that we're going to build on to for down the road. I don't think that was a one off that, that that's going to be the end of that thing. Uh, and our boy Smathers at The M Smathers said The only thing Vincent Kennedy McMahon hates more than tag teams is SmackDown. Rousey took a hell of a whipping, and Brian Lesnar was match of the night. Still not worth paying for. TakeOver, takeover however, was amazing. Um, you know, Smathers is a regular contributor to us here. He used to call in a voicemail, Smathers. We're looking at you. Get on that voicemail line. Help us out. Um, but, you know, I, I, I can't disagree with him about TakeOver far exceeding Survivor Series. Right.
1: Sure. So Jason wound up legitimately winning our picks this week. I legitimately um, win every time. What are you talking about? Yeah. He had nine, Jeff had seven, I had five, Adam, zero.
2: I really thought Adam would get it with that Bullet Club one.
1: I thought so, too, uh, because that pick was definitely...
0: The Perfect Ten! A ten! A
1: ten! A fucking ten! Too we sweet. start up? No, I was my segueing into The Perfect Ten, you dork. Uh. Alright. Um, yeah, we're going to start the, the Perfect Ten off with some piss. Because we're actually running with the Maverick piss angle.
2: So I just, since, before we get there, uh, I just happened to pop on my Facebook for a second. And uh, our co-host Adam, who said he's too busy to do the show on Wednesday nights, uh, posted less than an hour ago, I'm now one for seven, we're making it to the last question on HQ.
1: Oh, well that's good.
2: <clears throat> so... As, long as he has uh, constructive things to do at his time when he's not on the show. And he's too busy to be on the show.
1: Yeah. Like losing shitty trivia games. Or <laughs> playing shitty fucking Wheel of Fortune on Twitter. Speaking of piss. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> we had a couple guys making fun of Drake Maverick for pissing. And... I don't feel
2: like Oh, it wasn't even, I mean, seriously, it's, again, we continue with the, this is a Vince McMahon thing, because it wasn't even that they were making fun of him, it's like, would you like to try the peas? (laughs) And then like, oh, I'm glad to see you're feeling bladder today, (laughs) ha 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 ha, and then Drake Maverick, of course, says, you're in trouble, urine, ha (laughs) ha ha ha, like, really fucking, this is it. Uh, Drake Maverick is a hell of a guy on the microphone, he can he can sell stories, um, and he's not even a bad worker, but this is what we've got him doing being a fucking joke who pissed his pants on television, and not only something that we're forgetting in a one-off, we're actually going to run with this, this is how we're going to attempt to get AOP over but oh by the way, AOP lost the fucking match to Gable and Rude. So, what the fuck? What in the absolute fuck is this?
1: Yeah. It's kind of a continuation of Fuck Tag Teams. Because. Ray Mysterio! Oh, sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> Ray Mysterio was fighting off a man, apparently. um, Yeah, it's right back to the fact that uh, this should be all about AOP, and instead it's about their manager pissing himself. So, there's that.
2: Yeah, it's just, I mean, it speaks to how fucking seriously they take tag team wrestling, I guess.
1: Right. So, moving right along. Um, The same night that Braun Strowman is announced that he's going to be able to take on Baron Corbin at TLC. He's announced that he may not be able to be at TLC. Uh, because he was taken out after the match, um, they shattered his elbow again. They just keep fucking shattering that elbow. Um, but yeah, Did they he, do a uh,
2: shattered elbow before
1: with him? Yes. Yes, that was what he got taken on last time. He had a shattered elbow. Yeah, I remember uh, that one. So yeah, so apparently they must have, like, just kind of taped it back together last time. and now Very
2: fragile elbow on Braun Strowman.
1: Very, very fragile. Uh, but in real life, uh, Strowman does have Burns bones first in his elbow. He's getting them taken care of. Um, but, you know, it means that he might not be able to make it um, for his match against Baron Corbin, which obviously would put a little bit of an uh, issue into their plans, only so much so as that he would probably just take on Baron Corbin on Raw.
2: Yeah, sort of very weird. Like I, why be specific then? Why set it up for TLC? Why not just say down the road you'll face Braun Strowman or prior to Royal Rumble you'll face um well, I'm sorry Baron Corbin. It seems very weird knowing he was about to get written off and, and go off to surgery that they added a very specific time frame to it that he may not be able to adhere to. Um moreover than that, I think if it were just me, I would have preferred like He's laying down out back, stretching, and Nia Jax falls on him and breaks his arm, and that's why he's out, and we'll just make everybody that gets hurt is the fault of Nia Jax, and we'll turn it into a thing. There you go. And then while he's down, rolling around with his broken arm, Drake Maverick comes along and gets so excited about it, he pisses on him.
1: There you go. Sounds good to me. Piss for everybody. Um, speaking of piss, uh, Seth Rollins apparently... Is fucking retarded, <laughs> and Dean is super sneaky uh, because we had a <laughs> so we had Seth Rollins trying to find Dean Ambrose, which, mind you, this is the third time that Seth Rollins has had an entire show where he's been looking for someone in the back. If you recall, the last time that Seth Rollins was looking for somebody, it was Sting. Yeah and he couldn't find him, and spent the entire show trying to fucking find a guy.
2: Even though Snoop was behind him once or twice, wasn't he?
1: Yes, yes. And of course, this time, Seth does an interview because he's got the time, apparently, and Dean Ambrose just fucking casually walks behind him as well and walks away, and then I think it was Hepatitis O'Neill said, he's this this way, he's this way. Um, And then
2: he looks at the way Dean left and ran the other way.
1: Yes, he did. He did, in fact, go the opposite direction. So, yes, Seth may have taken too many shots to the Dome piece.
2: I totally... They should have put the Keystone Cops music in the background during that.
1: There you go. Um, And, of course, so then... Sorry, guys. Dean Dean Ambrose gave a promo while sitting on the back of a fork truck, I guess. Um,
2: No Burning Barrel this time, though.
1: No Burning Barrel. Um, although he did comically say that everyone smelled, so that was something that happened. Oh, he and did course, that multiple
2: times, and it was just yeah. so much funnier every time he continued yeah. to say it.
1: It definitely was, um, because for a second there, I'm like, I was like, oh, maybe he's smelling gasoline and that's going to light him on fire. But no, sadly not. Uh, instead, <laughs> instead he was just making a joke about Ellie being smelly, you know, because he's crazy Uncle Dean still. Uh, but he did say that, you know, Roman, I guess, deserved his cancer. And...
2: Uh, I I saw... He started to say something and I was like, please, that, that please don't go and, and do that. And then they fucking went and did that. And... Uh, like... I guess there's a part of Roman that probably is happy to be able to do something to help further the storyline for his two brothers. I get that. But it just seems like in such fucking poor taste that we're going to utilize that as part of this storyline. And to me, it just minimizes the real-life thing that Roman's going through. I I just fucking hated that.
1: It reminds me a lot of the Randy Orton, Rey Mysterio storyline after Eddie Guerrero died. The whole, Eddie's not up there, he's down there. Um, And how WWE just has no shame when it comes to real-life events. Um, I'm surprised that we didn't have somebody tell Jeff Jarrett that his, his buddy is, you know, breaking Stone Cold's neck in hell, but you know, whatever. So yeah, uh, that apparently is not only something that happened, but something that's going to continue to happen because yeah, it sounds like they're going to continue to use Roman Reigns to further the storyline and this really is the storyline that's supposed to carry Raw for a while and it's not as good as I think we thought it might have been uh, and it's worse than we had hoped so
2: yeah they made an effort at this point to keep them apart to sort of build anticipation of the fight and I get that Um, except then they had them get physical this week on Raw in sort of a segment that really didn't matter I'd uh, end it ended with Dean sort of laying Seth out again like we've seen him do. Um, it was really nothing special. It, it's just... It just seems like they're they are making this too hokey uh, rather than sort of the real I want to kill you. Like the Aleister Black, Johnny Gargano thing. That was a, It felt like two guys that really just wanted to beat the shit out of each other. Uh, and you bought into it. You believed in it because you could relate to it. And this is a far cry
1: from that. Yeah, but it wasn't the worst thing of the night. Because, hold on to your piss, Natalia is continuing to have a feud over somebody breaking her dad's glasses. So, Natalia and Ruby Riot had a match. Um, that's Riot 2Ts, by the way. Oh. And uh, despite the fact that it was three on one, essentially, with uh, the Riot squad, Natalia did a fruit roll up for the win. Because, fuck women's wrestling.
2: Alright, so I don't even have a problem with Natalya winning this because, you know, the, but, typically, hopefully that means, because the face won here, hopefully that means that this is the end of the storyline. Um, but so she did manage to take out the other members of the Riot Squad prior to the roll-up, so that sort of made sense. Um, but to me, the biggest issue I have with this thing, right, is that Natalia's the face and she's pissed off and she's deeply emotionally affected by what Ruby did to her. So her music hits, she walks to the ring smiling, stops to give cat ears to a fan, gets on the apron and does her leaning against the ropes pose. And that's not how a real person reacts in a situation where they feel like their family's, their father's memory has been desecrated. Um... Say what you want about the big show boss man angle with the casket thing, but Big Show came out for his match with Boss Man like he wanted to fucking kill him. And Natalia just came out like this was another match and that we've, I think
1: we've just- talked about this we've talked about this numerous times before about people not not selling the, the magnitude of the match and just doing their normal fucking routine because they need to do their entrance.
2: Right. Yeah, it's just it sucked. The match wasn't even bad it wasn't for in terms of an Italian match, it wasn't bad. She fucked up the sharpshooter, but other than that, it wasn't terrible. Um, like I said, hopefully the fact that the face won rather than the heel, which you would normally think would be how you would continue the story. Uh, but the face won first match out. The only thing is, if it's gonna be the end of it, you would think if the face is gonna win after what Ruby did to her, you would think she would win in a more convincing fashion than just a sort of a lucky roll up, but. That's why
1: it's not done, man. This is your TLC pre pre show match. Uh, well, speaking of piss, Rhonda is <laughs> <hot. laughs> Ronda is tough. Uh, yeah, so Ronda Rousey, 24 hours not quite 24 hours uh, after getting her face demolished by Charlotte, proceeded to decide to want another match. So she decided to take on Mickey James, stood up to Baron Corbin, which not that big of a deal. Uh, and wound up having a, a, a good match. Uh Rhonda has we seem to have kind of moved away from the completely pre scripted Rhonda matches that she's had in the past and have started to uh, go and I said completely. I didn't I mean, she, say she that. did
2: a house she did a couple house show loops with Mickey, so they sort of have it scripted already.
1: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Ronda and Mickey put on a good match. Ronda winds up winning, of course. Um, and then uh, Team Moose Knuckle comes out and uh, you know, uh, spine busters her in half, and Ronda Rousey's now a paraplegic. So,
2: so or what
1: actually <laughs> happened
2: was Ronda celebrating her victory. They walk out behind her on the stage. Naya sort of blows off her hand and walks away. And that was it, because that's heat. Yep, i will do it. Yeah, this match was good uh, for the for the two ladies. I thought Ronda's promo was was a little bit over the top. I mean, I guess I know Ronda, if you follow Ronda in MMA, you sort of understand that that's really is her approach. She gets so intense about everything uh, that it sort of makes it okay. But if you're not familiar with that and you're just watching her, you're going, wow, she's way too fired up right now. Um, but yeah, no, it was fine. I liked it. I thought I thought everything worked.
1: Yeah, yep. Yeah. So, um, we're going to talk about something here. <laughs> that's oh huh, boy. Um, well, something else? So, recently David Arquette began wrestling again. <laughs> um, we didn't we didn't quite talk about it at first because we didn't really care. <laughs> um, but I guess he decided that he wants to try to become a wrestler. Now, he guesses angling to be a special entrant in the Royal Rumble is what he's been kinda of talking about. Um But yeah, so he was he was put into a match I'm trying yep. to find So a-
2: So it was at Joey Janela's uh recent event uh, the main event was supposed to be a death match between Joey Janela and Nick Gage, uh, and with Joey Janela's knee injury, they decided to substitute David Arquette into Joey Janela's spot mm-hmm.
1: in a yeah. death match. Okay. Yeah. So the match went about how well you would think it did. Um, David Arquette is not a bad wrestler, you know. Not he's a good wrestler. Not a though. good wrestler either, but for what he's done, you know. Um but of course He's sort of Eva because, Marie. Yeah. Because he's a forty seven year old the guy sense. Right. Because he's a forty seven year old guy who has never been accurately trained at all. Uh he wound up in the hospital.
2: That's not entirely true. He was trained by he was actually trained by WWE at the time, he was trained by the WCW Power Plant. He has been through some legitimate training.
1: Yeah. So anyways, yeah, so he has been training for about the past six months to get, to compete in the Indies because, like I said, he wants to be in a Royal Rumble. So, yeah, so he got the ever-loving piss beat out of him, was bleeding, got uh, scratched up, got, had to get stitched up and everything like that.
2: Uh, uh, uh no. He, they got to a point in the match where Nick Gage uh, broke a light tube, and then proceeded to slice David Arquette's throat with the broken light tube. Mm-hmm. Um, Arquette, and you can see it on the, the video if you've seen it, unfortunately I have, uh, is clearly concerned. He's bleeding. Uh, he tries to get out of the ring. Uh, to his credit, I guess, uh, gets back in the ring, You know, works it out where he takes a very quick pinfall and then gets the fuck out of there to go get medical attention. Uh, fortunately, he is recovering. It wasn't... You know, critical or anything, but it could have been really fucking bad. Uh, Nick Gage, a guy I'm not a fan of. Uh, I don't like deathmatch styles of wrestling. I don't see it as, um, you know, I I'm still a purist in the sense. I consider professional wrestling at its best to be an art form. Uh, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing that makes you a good wrestler because you can hit somebody with a fucking light tube and slice their throat. There's, there, You don't have to be good to do that. Any asshole can get off a couch and do that to somebody else. Um, right. I, I just Shit like this really bothers me. I think it gives wrestling a bad name and this is the type of shit that gets covered all over TMZ and it's great for Joey Janela because he's getting a ton of free press, but this is what the rest of the regular world looks at and says this is what wrestling is. Rather than looking at like the NXT show and seeing the art form that wrestling can be, uh, this is what mainstream media will will portray as professional wrestling because of shit like this. Um, Shane Helms, uh, David Arquette issued a statement saying, you know, he's not planning on ever doing that again. Uh, he didn't really know what he was getting himself into. Blah blah blah. Uh, Shane Helms, for his part,
1: uh, I, I have it up. So I can okay, give God, you that. Yeah. Uh, so so Shane, obviously the Hurricane Helms. I said, with all due respect, they took advantage of your name, value, and put you in a situation that you weren't trained or prepared for, and it came close to ending very badly. Regardless of whether you wanted to do it or not, it's a shitty and irresponsible booking. A good booker knows what his locker room is capable of and books them accordingly, much like a coach does by putting players into certain positions on a team. Um, Can't agree more with that, because... It's it's bad enough when we see things in WWE where people where they try to to put people into positions they don't. This is putting a guy who's not trained in that style of wrestling, which he's
2: barely trained guys, in wrestling. Period.
1: Right, he's barely trained in wrestling. Period. So he shouldn't be doing normal matches at, at, or at worst like a tables match or something like that. The comedy not this. matches. Yeah, yeah, not not this. Most of those guys that that do those kind of death matches things are very tough um they know how to take certain hits and things like that um and you know nick gage as well for some of the things he was doing that was pretty irresponsible of him as a worker too Mm -hmm. to not to not understand that he's not fighting joey janela so he probably shouldn't be doing the same spots i think Um, it's
2: safe to say regardless of who you're in the ring with breaking a light tube and slicing their throat with it is never a good idea
1: yeah, I mean, we've seen the break in the light tube spot numerous times, but the slicing of the throat thing is, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it it doesn't make a lot of sense. And like you, and and you put it perfectly, like because it's going to get national news. Right. If this was, if it was, if it, if they would have done the same thing in Joey Janela match, nobody would have cared. Exactly. Because because Joey Janela is a guy who's been wrestling for ten years and knows what he's fucking doing. Yeah. He's not a he's not a forty seven year old guy who's moonlighting to try to get into shape so that he can. Maybe you know get a pop from from the crowd at at Royal Rumble, right? So,
2: yeah, yeah. It's, uh, just, ac- <clears throat>
1: it's
2: so. just a shame that uh, that once again this is the type of shit that gets wrestling in, into the mainstream publicity. Mm-hmm.
1: But if you got uh, if you got comments on David Arquette almost almost getting killed, go ahead and go over to Run Wrestling uh, over on Twitter and uh, drop us a comment.
2: Or at the Rundown Wrestling Podcast on Facebook.
1: That's right. So, moving right along here. Uh, speaking of piss, uh, Charlotte <laughs> got to show off her new attitude a little bit um, with uh, with what was first a promo, uh, then a dismantling of the Iconics. Um, so well, didn't she lose she... the second match? I don't remember. I, I thought think she, she
2: lost to Peyton by like, DQ or countout or
1: something. Oh, that's probably it, yeah. It was kind of a cluster, so it's hard to kind of... <laughs> that's heard, hard to kind of...
2: She basically cut a promo where she she said she wasn't sorry for what she did to Ronda, that it felt good, it was for Becky, etc., etc. I thought the, the heel promo was good. Uh, Paige came out and said, Baby girl, uh, <laughs> we're not upset with you, baby girl, but uh, baby girl, you can't uh, touch... You put your hands on five officials. And you can't put your hands on five officials. So four four would have been fine. Yeah, that was exactly (laughs) what I thought when I was listening (laughs) to it. Uh, Four would have been great, but you did five, so we're going to fine you $100,000. And then in sort of the really nonsensical part, the Iconics came out and said, Oh, well, well, we know we're your favorites, Paige, so we'll just take her money instead. And and I don't really think that's how fines work. But they thought it was. somewhere. Uh, and that led to a match, and the match was Billy Kay was just pretty much a squash, and then she offers to take on Peyton, too, and Peyton gets in there, and I forget how the finish was, but then Charlotte just was beating the shit out of her and got disqualified. So,
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that was that. So, yeah, so Charlotte is now uh, blonde Becky Lynch. So
2: Yeah, it really is, like, sort of stark how it's just the exact same thing and it's almost like at this point if you want to make someone a face turn them fucking heel that's how badly you've booked your faces that the only way they can get over is if people fucking turn them if you turn them heel and they're supposed to be supposed to hate them then they go oh all right now this character has some personality some depth there's something there that's not just cookie cutter white meat baby face now i like them
1: right and of course the if, if if you're talking about heel turns, we had one last week that we needed to talk about because Daniel Bryan. <laughs> I wasn't gonna do it for all of them, but okay. <laughs> speaking of piss, Daniel Bryan. You got a gimmick going, Troy. you got to fucking yeah. run with it. Sorry, sorry. So Daniel Bryan cut a promo, and uh, it appeared at certain points he turned into Bray Wyatt. And then that at other points turned into Chris Jericho. Uh, But Daniel Bryan uh, came out and kind of addressed what was going on. He pretty much said that he allowed Brock Lesnar to beat the piss out of him to to destroy the old Daniel Bryan. Uh, Talked up the fact that three years ago when he he retired and and everything like that, that that was that was a lie to that he told himself that he couldn't do it anymore. Uh, spent three hours in a hyperbolic time chamber or the hyperbaric time chamber, whatever it is, um, and it allowed him time to think and 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 realize that he needed to change. He said the yes movement is dead, which is exactly why one of his side plates says yes three times on it. <laughs> um, he also was was dressed um, like a crazy cat lady, which I, I <laughs> which enjoyed. is actually how
2: he dresses in real life though. So. Yes,
1: exactly, yeah. Um, But, yeah, and Daniel Bryan said that you better never, ever give up on your dreams again. Again. Yeah. Yeah,
2: no, he also said that uh, his dreams kicked AJ Styles in the balls, which was the highlight line of the entire promo. Uh, It was very weird, very rambling stream of consciousness. He kept replying to, referring to himself in the third person. Um just very sort of strange. I don't think it made anything really much clearer as to why he did what he did, uh, other than his dreams kicked AJ in the balls. It wasn't him. Um, it was just his, his foot was the conduit for his dreams and yeah. AJ Styles nuts, apparently. But we did get the official announcement. TLC will feature Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles for the WWE championship in the main event of a pay-per-view. And I am there for that. All
1: right. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a Daniel Bryan's dreams on a pole match or not, but there's still time to, to book that. So
2: or Daniel Bryan Daniel Bryan's dreams and AJ Styles' crotch match.
1: Yeah, or or AJ Styles' balls on a pole match. There
2: you go, that works too. Has there there's been Daniel anybody Bryan. in WWE history that's taken as many ball shots in such a short period of time as AJ Styles has? You would think at this mm. point cups would be mandatory for this man.
1: I mean. Pretty much every China feud that she had, guys were getting smacked in the nuts left and right by her. But it her.
2: wasn't the same guy getting hit in the nuts every time. That's the difference.
1: Well, uh, she was in the feud with Chris Jericho. He took a couple of nut shots from her. And... Yeah, but not like this.
2: I mean, he's taken them from Nakamura. He's taken them yeah. from Daniel Bryan. He's taken them from if someone else did it to him, too. Miz, maybe. Um, but Jesus, yeah. He, that guy's nuts have taken that fucking beating.
1: No, he's had his kids. He's okay. <laughs>
2: By the way, if, if anybody hasn't seen the uh, 365 special on the WWE Network on AJ Styles, I would recommend that it is good viewing. Uh, the Dean Ambrose Chronicle special, nah, not so much. It's all kayfabe. It's sort of you get little glimpses of Dean here and there, but it, it's really just him portraying his character, which is not surprising because of everyone I've known who uh, has interacted with Dean says that he's one of those guys that really still believes in kayfabe and keeping keeping kayfabe. So,
1: really. Right Speaking of piss, uh, The Miz and Shane McMahon, for whatever reason, decided to be a tag team and took on local jobbers, so they are definitely winning the tag team titles from the bar.
2: Yeah, seems like it, except they lost to the jobbers. Um, yeah, they're doing some sort I guess... I, I, are we setting up as is, is Miz Shane's opponent at WrestleMania? I mean, maybe. It, it would sort of make some sense because it would be the first time in a while that Shane's had an opponent that's actually not really super popular with the fan base. I mean, Miz is popular, but he's he's a heel. Like, he gets a heel reaction. Uh, whereas, you know, AJ Styles got a face reaction. Undertaker got a face reaction. Even Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn sort of got a face reaction at that point. Um, the, way
1: I, the way I looked at it, though, is I felt like this might be a setup for a double turn on him, so...
2: I, it could be, but I don't think you could turn Miz face. I don't think it works. I think they've tried mm-hmm. it. It's just...
1: But you, you, you think that that's enough for them not to try it again? It eh, ain't
2: fair <laughs> enough. Uh, but Miz, Miz did his part beautifully. <laughs> like it's like a Survivor series when when you and I when we went coast to coast multiple times. <laughs> like and she's like I, I thought that was just me. I, I don't think we did that. But you know. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a, it was a good setup for something. I mean, I'm interested to see at least where they go with it.
1: Right, very much so. But we'll see but now it's time to talk about some piss because our main events for the evening uh, balls, deep wrestling trademarks were filed by the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, weird fucking iron chic like owner. And so, geez, the, so, so for those, not
2: it's actually all elite wrestling. It's the, <laughs> whatever. Uh, also, uh, yeah. also trademarked was Tuesday night dynamite. So yeah, take that for what it's worth. Yeah.
1: So, of course, this is on the heels of a lot of talk of Cody and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega starting their own wrestling promotion. And now we suddenly have not only a name, uh, but also trademarks filed and maybe a financial backer, too, uh, in the Jacksonville Jaguars owner. So um, Jason's question, of course, is should WWE be nervous now? And I continue to say no.
2: See, I Not, not now, And this is what you said after All In, and Sal said the same thing after All In, that they shouldn't be concerned. They have nothing to be worried about. Um, Except now you have – we can assume by Tuesday Night Dynamite being filed that they have some sort of a TV show. TV show means you've got a television deal. Television deal means you've now taken the hottest acts in professional wrestling around the world – And you're giving them a national television format for those fans who sold out All In, who made All In one of the most successful pay-per-views of the year, despite the fact that it had no TV show behind it other than a 20-minute YouTube show every week. Um, You don't sit there and say they're going to be nervous because, you know, starting today it's going to be this, that, or the other. No. But what you should be nervous about is that now the people who have the sort of ability to book angles that people are into and things that they want to see and they have their finger on the pulse of the business. Now those people have money behind them, real money and exposure and a TV deal and a promotion. That's something you should be worried about because they're coming for you. Um, the, The significance, of course, of a Tuesday Night Dynamite trademark uh, is it that starting next year, SmackDown will be leaving Tuesday nights free and open uh, as they move to Friday. So I don't think it's a coincidence that there's a show name centered around the phrase Tuesday night. Uh, I also don't think it's a coincidence for those of you who haven't known that they've uh, taken themselves away from the Bullet Club and they're just referring to themselves as the Elite now. Of course, that's uh, Adam Page, Cody, um, The Bucks, Kenny Omega, and Marty Scurll. Um but this is uh, they they got away from the Bullet Club because they don't have they don't own the trademark on Bullet Club they own the trademark on Elite. Uh, this is going to be all Elite wrestling, so it makes sense that they would want to make sure that they're not affiliated Bullet Club anymore that their group is acknowledged by the name that their promotion is going to go by. <sighs> I, I got to tell you, dude, if I'm Vince, I'm sitting back and look, they're not competition out of the gate day one, but this is something with the potential to at least draw attention away from your product, and it's something that you should definitely be paying attention to. And I think you guys misunderstand. I don't think nervous means that they're expecting to lose. They're not going out of business as a result of this. But should they be nervous in that, holy shit, there's this other promotion that's that's drawing, we're already having limited house show business, and now there's this other national option that's very popular. Yes, they should be nervous about that.
1: To me, I'll just I'll wait and see what network it's on. It doesn't matter though.
2: ML, M- MLW, <laughs> MLW is doing a pretty good business on the in Sports network. I had never heard of in Sports before I before this, but they have a have a great Twitter presence. They have a great YouTube presence. Their shows are available there. They're doing good business on that channel. They've got a decent TV deal out of it, and they're putting out a pretty good product. Uh, hats, you know, shots out to Court Bauer for for what he's doing over there, former WWE writer. Um, but <laughs> they're not. They don't have the firepower to compete. They don't have the star power to compete with WWE. They have good talent over there, but their biggest stars probably Pentagon and, and Phoenix, who are good, but not you know transcendent international you know, top-of-the-card kind of guys. Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and Cody, those guys are.
1: Okay. Well, we'll see. Uh, obviously, time on us we don't know anything more. We don't even know what this is yet until we hear an official word. So. Um, but that'll do it uh, for the Perfect Ten this week. So um, let's go ahead, whip out our dicks, do a little pissing. And let's talk about what's going on in the independent scene.
2: Well, this coming Saturday night, Atlantic Pro Wrestling returns to the Newburyport Elks Lodge uh, to see boys and girls of Lower Merrimack Valley toy drive. For each unwrapped toy that is donated, you will receive one $5 general admission ticket. The APW Heavyweight Champion Dynamite Danny Miles defends his title against Big Bacon Brad Hollister. Demon Ortiz will address the fans for the first time since his shocking return at the Gilbonk Memorial Wrestle Royal. A brand new APW Women's Champion will be crowned when the Widow Belmont and Vanity Vixen square off for the vacant title. Uh, Robo the Punjabi Lion makes his first defense of the APW New England Championship when he takes on one of his trainers, fabulous Johnny Vegas, in a teacher versus student showdown. The anti American, Sheikh Abdullah Hassan, and the Canadian legend, Matt Loudon, defend the APW tag team titles against Nightbreed in a no count out, no disqualification match. Hunter Ward takes on the returning masshole, Mike McCarthy. Uh, Dan Terry takes on the selfie made man, Vern Vicalo. The Bitter King, Buddy Romano, takes on the man he stole the crown from, Travis Gillette, one on one. Nico Silva faces the third generation wrestler, Nick Curry, who's making his APW debut. And we will have a four-quarters elimination tag team match pitting Venom versus American Maid versus Ike and Cicero versus Stiff Mike and Bugsy Stone. Reserve front row seats are $15. Advanced general admission, $10. 12 at the door. Reserve front row will receive a discount code for $5 off your next ticket purchase if you're donating an unwrapped toy. Doors open at 6 p.m. Bell time is 6.30. And I hear the commissioner over there is hung like a horse. So go check it out.
1: Who is uh, who is the father of Nick Curry?
2: Uh, that would be Fred Curry. I don't know.
1: The stars of Bruce City Wrestling return to the Elks Lodge in Waukesha, Wisconsin, for a Jingle Bells Bash on Saturday, December eighth. Tickets are twenty dollars ringside and sixteen dollars advance on BruceCityWrestlingOne dot com using PayPal or eighteen dollars at the door. Bell time is set for seven thirty. The doors open at six forty five. This is an, also an event. With toys for tots, fans are encouraged to bring a non-wrapped toy or book for a child for Christmas. As the stars of BCW will be delivering them to the children's hospital. Uh, already signed. All right. Already signed. Bruce City Wrestling women's champion, the evil or evil Sierra takes on Blue Phoenix Vanessa Azor. Uh, Maidens of Iron take on the Brown Family. More phantomonia matches will be announced soon. Go to brewcitywrestling1.com uh, follow him on Twitter at BCW1. Like him on Facebook, Bruce City Wrestling, and Instagram, Bruce City Wrestling. And ICW returns December 20th to the La Pica Lounge. ICW presents Insane Xmas Party starting at 7 p.m. Former IWGP Intercontinental Champion Michael Elgin makes his ICW debut. And, of course, everyone hates him. VIP, ring, VIP tickets are uh, for ringside at $20, general mission $15. and ICW alternative title as the Light Tubes Fuckery Boards match between Oren Veet and Marcus Crane. Is David ICW... Arquette in
2: that match? Or?
1: Not, not yet. Okay. The ICW World title will be on the line as Joey Jet Avalon defends against the NW, er, NJPW superstar Big Mike Elgin. ICW tag team title on the line as the Foley Brothers take on Bear Kingdom. The six man tag team action as the gentleman's club Aesop Mitchell. It's a new nickname for him. Jack Moody and Tyler Sullivan take on Sierra. Is that a nickname Sierra for him Dis. or is
2: that the whole group together?
1: Might be the whole group together.
2: Yeah, that's how I read it, at least.
1: Sierra Dis and Derek St. Holmes. The marman Mario Cravello will take on Resort Life Captain Spicoli and the D, Del La Sambra. Riley Jackson takes on GQ Giannis and Jacob Hoffman takes on Simon Says. Uh Oh, I guess that's. you takes on Simon Says <laughs> and Pitbull, Zack McGuire, <laughs> and Jack Blackwell with Mrs. Birthday. Mrs. Birthday is a new one. Uh, I don't know what that last little bit is. <laughs> so I think
2: Michael Elgin has a couple students who will have a match on
1: the show as okay. well. Okay. All right. So some, some of the people that for some reason have decided to allow Michael Elgin to be an asshole to them might have a match themselves. Yes. So that is it for the Rundown for this Thursday, November 22nd. It has been one year since Sal stuck his dick in a turkey, and that is about to change. <laughs> <laughs> like us on Twitter uh, at Rundown or Follow us on Twitter at Rundown Podcast. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Rundown Wrestling. Email the show via rundownwrestling at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 617-863-6967 at 61-RUNDOWN-7 like Sal did. We are on Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash wrestling to become a patron to get early access to our rundown episodes as well as patron-only episodes. I apologize for not getting NXT UK out. I am lazy. Look, okay, I friends. haven't watched the shows yet, so... There you go. Listen to our friends Kingpin, Brian Malonis, so and Mike Kraken on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing with new podcasts every Monday. Go to facebook.com slash WPN or the thewpan.com Check out our friend Justin Michaels on the show yes on Waltz on Tough TV. Go to tv.com to stream it live. Stay tuned to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast to hear promises that we will bring back our other shows. you you visited the Rundown Sit Down Nitromania Podcast, GlowStick, Hurry Up and Cruiserweight, and WrestleMania Salvation. You can follow our host on Twitter at Stewart 0920, at Rockstar Troy, at Joker's Wild702, at Pissimania <laughs> Sal, at allergic to piss casting, at Nitromania <laughs> Piss. At Hurry Up and cruise and Todd Sople drinks piss. Thank you to everyone for listening. <laughs> in there before we started to do that gimmick. Uh, thank you to Jason. Uh thanks, Troy. <laughs> next week we talk about stuffing our meaty dicks and the turkeys. Uh
2: so I guess that means we will see you next Thanksgiving.
0: Bye-bye.
2: Jeff say something.
1: It was fucking useless. All right, just forget it. He's it. The Rundown Wrestling Podcast was stuffed into the ass of Adam Sazler before being flash-fried into a deep-fat fryer. Following some third-degree burns and scarred children, the dry carcass of the show was thrown to the dogs, Troy and Jason, for them to gnaw. We remember the Questionable Endeavor Network, which, much like Drake Maverick, pisses on itself any time the Rundown comes near it. Visit questionnetwork.com to order some more adult diapers. And tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast.